on the inside. She got the scoop on the ones to watch, on the ones that's hot. No one can do it quite like Caroline. I have the amazing Cassie Kelly joining me today on this episode of Get Real Podcast. Cassie is so beautiful inside and out. She is a heart of gold. She is a fashionista. If you need help planning anything, go to Cassie's page. She knows how to decorate for any type of occasion and make it fabulous. Traveling, she knows all the best places to go, everywhere to eat. She is just fabulous. She's married to Charles Kelly of Lady Antebellum. They met over 10 years ago and it was pretty much love at first sight with them. We talk about their love story. We talk about being on the road, how road life has changed ever since they had Ward, their child who's so precious. We talk about their journey to having a kid. It wasn't just perfectly easy for them, but he's an amazing miracle in their life. And we talk all about that, how motherhood has changed everything in the best way. We talk about her brand Womanista that she started as a blog on the road, as a, as a road warrior wife. And it turned into a huge company that she sold. And she's an incredible businesswoman. She's just so good at everything she does. She's a great friend. She's such a supporter of women. She has truly the sweetest, biggest heart of anyone you will ever meet. And her story is amazing. So here's Cassie. Hello, hello, Cassie Kelly. Hello, Caroline Hobby. I'm in your house. In the Kelly house, which is so beautiful. We were just talking about how you love to decorate and design yes and your house is unbelievable because it makes you feel so peaceful and calm but then you have all these pops of like awesome color (laughs) and how did you get your vision for how you want to decorate your house and what's your style well this house it's interesting because we did not intend on moving into this house okay what happened details so we were living in our house which i we renovated and completely redecorated and that's and a that passion was, of yours i love it um and that was our in my mind our forever house but you know the saying like if you you know want to make god laugh make a plan <laughs> yes um and then we bought this house to flip okay cuz again i just like when did you start and, flipping well, it wasn't this, this actually was the first project that we did intentionally. Okay. Um, like every other house that we've owned has not been on the market and just sold. Okay. So, which is a weird thing to say, but this was the first one that we like intentionally bought to renovate and flip and we moved into it. <laughs> you renovated it and made it so awesome. That- so we didn't flip it. Well, we ended up. Um, getting an offer on our house that I thought was our forever house. Okay. So it, just randomly. Someone just drove by and saw it and said, well, I need this house? Well, it was a little more, you know, in in it than that, but basically. Okay. Um, and it was, you know, an offer that we couldn't really refuse. And so my husband, and I still didn't really want to move at the time, but my husband was like, I mean, we have this other house that we're doing, <laughs> <laughs> we can move into. And so we ended up moving into this house and, um, it just, it's been, I mean, I love it. So all of that to answer your question, the design of it, I mean, I picked everything like I, you know, loved everything that I picked, but I didn't do the design in this house with the intention of me living here. So did that make you do it differently than you would have, if you thought you would have lived here? Um, you know, I don't know. There's a couple of things that, um, you know, in furnishings and stuff was all ours, but, um, 
as far as, you know, design picks, I don't, I mean, we didn't do custom cabinetry in there, in here, in the kitchen. And I don't know, maybe I would have done that, but I love it. Like, (laughs) you know, the only difference is, um, which this is so nerdy. Y'all are probably not interested, but, um, you know, the Island height, when you do custom cabinetry in our old house, we did them taller because Charles is so tall. Yes. So like our Island height is six, six. Oh my gosh. Maybe six, seven. I don't know. So, and like the bathroom counter height is, was taller. Um, and we didn't do that in this house. Um, so it's just shorter, but little things like that, that you live with and then they don't really matter. Oh my gosh. And are you still doing an A-frame house right now? So, because <laughs> Michael's obsessed with A-frame houses, I am obsessed with A-frame houses. He wants houses. us to move into one and like live there. Well, <laughs> this one it was on Center Hill Lake, so this is so such that? a sad story. It's the one that got away. Oh no! It's like an hour outside of Nashville. Okay, so it could have um, been like a getaway. It, we were gonna probably renovate and flip that one too, or just accidentally keep it. Right, <laughs> like it happens around here. Yeah. Um. So to make a very long story short about that one, um. It was an elderly couple and they were selling, this has, you know, been their getaway house for a long time and their kids were kind of handling the sale. And, um, the mother, I think this was all relayed to me. So I don't know for sure had some, um, dementia issues. Mm. And when the title company called to, you know, we were closing, to um, get all the information, she kind of had a freak out and said, this house isn't for sale. I don't okay. know what you're talking about. And so we didn't, it just wasn't meant to be. wasn't meant to be. And, and you got to trust those signs. Oh my gosh. I told Charles, I said, you know, there's no more direct uh, message than the <laughs> owner saying this house isn't for sale. To <laughs> be like, received. maybe I don't need to buy this house. So we're not doing an A-frame. Are you pretty good at following signs or messages? I feel like I try, you know, to pay attention, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm enough in touch with my spiritual self and my heart that, you know, if there's a clear message <laughs> like that, you know, I, I try to, you know, pay attention, but I don't know. I also get caught up in life too. I know it's a balance. Yeah. I feel like before we started this, we're talking about surrendering and how important that is. And I always think I have surrendered and I'm like there in my spirituality and then I'll just get hit with something else. And I'm like, Oh gosh, I'm really, haven't surrendered because I'm freaking out right now. Right. And desperately trying to control a situation. Right. It's true. I mean, um, my grandmother, one of my favorite sayings that she taught me was never get attached to anything that can be bought or sold. And that is, you know, something to completely remember Mm -hmm. remember and surrender Mm -hmm. I mean again just our whole house situation you know it's not like we didn't get to move into an amazing house also but you know the things that matter in life are nothing that you can you know hold tangibly other than people so I know and even with uh people you know it's like this Christmas I talked to you about it too Mm -hmm. like my dad almost died and I know you've dealt with a lot of pain mm-hmm. in that way. And it's like, and then we also, last year, Michael and I were dealing with baby stuff and trying to have a baby and miscarrying. Which and we like, went through all of that. And that sorry, is, it's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. And I love, I just talked did an interview with Caroline Bryan and mm-hmm. she was talking about it and she had had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And it's just like so many people have gone through infertility mm-hmm. or struggling with it and that's another thing. How do you deal with those bigger moments in life when it's like you want something so badly? It's not a 
object, but it's like a life. Right. But it's not happening or something. You lose someone. How have you navigated those waters? Um, I think in the hardest times in my life, you know, like we talked about surrender, the key message for me, which you asked if I pay attention to messages, maybe I do. (laughs) Um, the key message for me is just, you know, trust we're walking through it and you're going to feel growth. You're going to feel better on the other side. I mean, every time that we've walked through something hard, whether it was our infertility struggle before we had ward or, you know, anything in our marriage or careers. Um, I've always just trusted in the Lord and, and, you know, my heart that just to stay the course and, um, you know, you never grow without change and hardship. So, you know, sometimes God teaches us lessons through that kind of hardship. I'm trying to learn the lesson that things aren't good or bad, that they're all for growth. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. because like in my younger days, I would be upset when things wouldn't go the way I wanted Mm -hmm. them to go. And now I have learned through living through many things that have not gone as planned or really shook my world that, okay, there is a big growth here Mm -hmm. and I would have never gotten it without this experience. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times for me too, you know, in my marriage, um, Charles, he like really kind of focuses hard on things that aren't right and, you know, can really kind of stew about things. And so I've had to be the one that's like roll with it a little more, (laughs) um, for better, for worse. (laughs) So, you know, I don't know if I've just been like forced to have that mentality of nothing's like you said, nothing's good or bad. It's just, it's for growth. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about trying to conceive ward and we were married for probably well, we were married for seven years. Um, almost when we had him. And I mean, we probably started trying to have a baby, four years into our marriage. So it was a, for three years. Yeah. I mean, it, at the beginning it was more just like, let's give it a whirl. Right. Right. Um, when and, did it start getting serious for you? Well, probably uh, a year before he was conceived, we were like, okay, we need to probably go to see a specialist doctor. So we went to Nashville infertility or Nashville fertility. It's called, it's not infertility. <laughs> um, making baby dreams. happen, Right. And, uh, you know, went through a lot of different testing and started to, um, you know, after all of tests and results and everything, our doctor, Dr. Abby Eblen is who, who we saw and she's amazing, but she said we had a 1% chance of conceiving a baby without IVF. Wow. So how do you take that news? So that was hard. That is very hard. Um, but, you know, so that was, I guess, in April of 2015. And um, Charles had a big, busy summer tour coming up. Um, what tour was it? It was the, it was with Sam Hunt and Hunter Hayes. I can't remember the title of it. I'm the worst. It's been a lot of tours. Um, it was a great one. It was great. <laughs> but so they were about to just get really busy touring. And I had... Um, a bunch of work stuff um, coming up. I had 
was just about to partner with a company in Nashville to take Womanista from my blog to a media site. So it was just a, it was a busy. I want to talk about Womanista, how you launched that. Well, okay. Because you're like on the forefront of blogging. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it was fun. Yes. Um, So it was just, it was a really busy season for us. And so we thought, okay, we'll just take the summer off and then do IVF in the fall. And I ended up getting pregnant in May. Do you think it's because you weren't stressing about it? I don't know. I mean, people, when so they're like. So you got the 1%. Mm-hmm. He you didn't was, have to do IVF. I, IV or IB? IVF. IVF. You didn't have to do IVF or anything. Mm-mm. Wow. I know. So <laughs> one of my fallopian tubes was blocked. And of course, the ovary on the other side was the weak ovary. So of course, naturally. Yeah, obviously. Um, so he was a little, he made it through the blocked fallopian tube somehow. He went through the blocked one? He either went through the blocked one or he was a really weak egg. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. He was a little 1% miracle baby. So truly, I mean, I felt like um, after going through that, the creation of life is not in our hands. Did that really rock your world? Like having that all happen here, like mm-hmm. trying for three years, mm-hmm. hearing you have 1%, you're probably going to have to do it in vitro and then miraculously getting pregnant. Like what does that do to your brain? And I guess your faith. It's yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, the thing about going, walking through that um, fertility struggle for us and having to have ward is life was so good otherwise. So it was hard for me to try to, you know, feel sorry for myself. Not that you feel sorry for yourself if you're, you it's know, a, it can be a sad season though. It, and it can be a very isolating season. It is, especially if all your friends are having kids and mm-hmm. you, and of course you're so happy mm-hmm. for them, but you're like, Oh, when is it going to be me? Right. And I don't know. I mean, again, I guess just my faith and you know, the Lord by the grace of God just sort of walked me through that because I, um, Never felt like I was missing anything. How amazing is that? And I can't, I don't like attribute that to my own thought, whatever. I mean, that was just the way that I was carried through that season. You had faith that you were on your right path. I just knew we would be parents somehow. Um, You know, whether that ended up being doing IVF and getting pregnant that way or adoption. I just, I knew that we would be parents somehow. And, you know, gratefully... We didn't have to work that hard. Um, and, you know, he was, he's just a little miracle, perfect baby. And he came in the right time for himself. So, and for us, um, you know, we were married long enough to really be able to do a lot together um, through Charles's career that we maybe wouldn't have been able to do had we had a child at the time. And we just got to be together. Yeah. And that was such a gift. In hindsight, that is such an incredible gift to get to just navigate the craziness of the music business life in your first couple years of marriage. Especially when you're so young and you're doing all of it for the first time Mm -hmm. together. I have really learned to appreciate that with Michael. Like we started dating when he was 21 and I was 24 and like this whole journey, the good, the bad, all Mm -hmm. of it, we've been able to experience it together. Right. And I just feel so thankful for that foundation and all of these first things that we've right. done because it's just so wild. Right. And I remember when you and Charles started dating. He was. I was 23 and he was 20. Uh, it was in January 2007. So I was, I guess, almost, and I was born in 83. So I was almost 24. I was 23. Oh, and babies. then he was, I know, he was 25 or 26. 
and you he was working with Victoria Shaw's like writing and yeah. publisher and stuff and so when y'all started dating I remember thinking like oh my gosh this is so crazy and cool because I followed y'all's journey and mm. I had ne- and I had never really been in the music business I was so green I know you were so young so young and just seeing y'all's evolution I feel honestly like one of those weird like grandparents <laughs> or something. It's like it's I've, <laughs> we made I've it. loved watching y'all because y'all have always been such an example to me oh. of a great couple. And I've always just thought y'all were so awesome and you've always been so beautiful. Thank you. And just to see y'all grow and evolve and all the things that you've gone through with his career, your career, starting Womanista. Yeah. It, it, how is all that? Just starting from meeting this person, they're just getting going, and then well, all of a you're in a whirlwind. I grew up in Nashville, so and my mom was in the music business. Um, she, she's a great stylist. She was a wardrobe stylist. Didn't um, she do like, Martina and mm-hmm. everybody? She's like, she was a single mom, you know, for a couple of years and basically just took every job that could put food on our table. So she styled everyone <laughs> and she's got incredible style, which has obviously been passed on to you. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> she has uh, three boutiques in Nashville now, but they're called Hero. She has Haven, which is in Franklin. That's the first one that she had. And then she opened Hero, which is in 12 South. Mm-hmm. And now she has Parish, which is in Parish is your mom's. Mm-hmm. Stop it. I don't even go in that store because I'm like, I cannot fall in love with anything in there. <laughs> no it's a way. higher price point, but it's, but it's amazing. I know. It's so impeccably merchandised and she's so talented. When I was in a band with Taylor Lynn, we were in a band called Stealing Angels and Taylor would shop at Haven all the time. <laughs> like she lived in there constantly. <laughs> My mom loves Taylor so much. <laughs> she is a nut job she and I is, love her too. She is the best. The best. Nobody like her. Right. No. One of a kind. <laughs> Um, but so you grew up here. So I grew up here in the and, music industry, right? And or just you know, via my parents, my mom. Um, Did you think that you would date an artist? No. So when I met Charles, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, we're we're trying How'd to do the music thing." Um, we met. I had li- I moved to New York after college, and then I got a job back in Nashville, and I wasn't really personally ready to move back to Nashville, but. It was a great job opportunity, and I thought, well, I'll move back for a couple years, save some money, and then move back up to New York. And I met Charles a month after I moved back here. You're like, well, guess I'm not moving. Guess I'm not moving. Was it kind of love at first sight? It was. It was truly, like, magnetic, instant. Like, we were going to um, a group dinner at, what's the place above South Street? Like, the tree house? Um, Is it called South Street? Well, I think it has a different name, but it's it's okay. like the second story of South Street. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know Nashville restaurants, it's one of the old the OGs. OGs. Uh-huh. Um, last man standing in that area that was, has been there. But <clears throat> anyway, we were at a group dinner and um, he arrived late and he like walked in and our eyes just locked and it was like that magic. Stop truly instant love at first sight. I had only been back here a month and um, I was, you know, living with my parents. And uh, I told my mom the next morning, I said, I think I met the guy I'm going to marry. Are you kidding? Crazy. So I was, was 23 so years old. Was, you just felt so different. It was so different. And then we just... Uh, was it instant dating right away? Instant dating. So we <laughs> ended up staying up talking, like truly just talking until about five that morning. And so our first date, and then I, you know, stumbled on home. <laughs> and then our first night wasn't that night because we'd been up till five in the morning, but it was the very next night. And, and that, that was, was it. it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What's the secret to marriage in the mu- music industry? Uh, Are y'all going on 10 years? 
It'll be 10 years in July. So 10 years married in the music industry, starting off as babies. I know. How do you navigate this and oh do it so well? God. Well, I don't know if we do it well. Y'all do it well. Um, I read a, do you know Beth Moore? Mm-hmm. Okay, she's like this amazing, she's an author and she's, she's a Christian author. And um, I read a quote that she said one time, because she's very vocal about, she and her husband have been married for 40 years and she's like, it's been... 50% of the time, good. I mean, I don't, she, but she jokes about how her marriage has not been all roses and neither has ours yeah. for sure. Well, no marriages. Um, but she said one time, she said, sometimes the secret to a long marriage is just waking up and say, I'll give it one more day. I love that. And it's like just every morning you say, even in the hard, hard times where you just want to be so much easier to not hang on, I'm just going to give it one more day. I love that. So... You and then know. one more day turns into a week, turns into a month, one turns day into at a time, like anything. And then you're through it. You're yeah. through that patch and mm-hmm. into something else. That's one thing I've learned. I've been with Michael now. We've been together mm-hmm. 10 years. We had a two year break. We did a tumultuous start. Like our first four years. Y'all were so young. We were so young. Yeah. He was 21. I was 24. Puma, you know, <laughs> a little older. <laughs> but we still such a hottie. Such a hottie mess. <laughs> Hot mess is more like it. Insane in my 20s. Oh, gosh. Thank God I'm through my 20s. But I have one thing I have realized is the good, the bad, all of it. Like, it's like if you stay and mm. if you stick it out and if you realize that things will not always be the mountaintop and not always be the valley. Mm-hmm. But if you just stay and love that person through everything, you get through it. And now looking back, I look at our 10 years of mm-hmm. everything and like the hard parts make me emotional in a good way. Right. So I'm like, oh my God, like I even get teary now. Yeah. I'm like, we've made it through some really hard parts, yep. you know, and we got stronger because of it. Yeah. And then you have this strength in your marriage that you could have never gotten if mm-hmm. you hadn't just stayed with it. Well, and it's our history. I yeah. mean, it's, it's our history. And now we have a child together that... You know, we're going to be connected no matter what for yeah. the rest of our lives. So might as well make it work with each other. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> rather than introduce other people into it just to make it more complicated. Oh, gosh, right. Um, so, you know, I think that that's, that's the lesson. Like we've, we haven't been perfect to each other. Um, we've just never given up. Yeah. And that is, you know, a gift that we, get to have now in having an almost 10 year marriage and hopefully, uh, you know, for as many more years as we're on this planet marriage. What makes y'all reconnect? Like if y'all want to have a a moment Mm -hmm. where you're getting back to you guys, what do y'all like to do? We like to sit out just on the patio and listen to music and have a glass of wine and, um, just talk, you know, we'll get, we'll go through seasons. Um, you know, again, we have a toddler and it's, can be stressful. We travel a lot. Um, because the whole fam goes on the road. Mm-hmm. Yes. Get. <laughs> haven't slept in 100 years. <laughs> in case you can't tell. That really does go away, the sleeping. Uh, yes. Like, adios. Yes. Forever. Mm-hmm. When does it come back? Uh, well, I think once your kids are teenagers, what I've been told. Teenagers? Once your kids are teenagers and sleeping, then, like, you are, you just are seasoned to not sleep. <laughs> I know that was, that was such a struggle for us because we were both such sleepers before ward. I remember thinking like if I had to do something before 10 30 AM, like that was early. It's not happening. It's happening now. Mm-hmm. Oh, now 10 30 is like lunch. <laughs> I mean, truly it's just, you just get used to it or you don't get used to it. You just do it. So what's road life 
like now? What was it before? Like in the early days, Mm -hmm. what was road life like with Lady A? And now what is it like with Lady A and all the families? Because every single one of the members has babies. (sighs) Yes. Um, Hill has three, which is just... She got that double whammy, those twins. Oh my God, I know. I like don't know how she does everything with such grace that she does. She's such an amazing mom. and And she toured pregnant with twins too, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. She... So, well, the twins were born in January. So the last uh, tour, I mean, they had a couple of like one-off shows, but it was Europe in October. She was pregnant with twins in Europe in October? Mm-hmm. Dang. I know. Wow. Yeah. Uh, she's done. And then with Isley, she toured up until Isley was born. Um, she was born on Prince William's birthday, I think. Oh. Or not Prince William. Uh, Prince Henry? Prince George. I'm Prince George, the George. oldest little kid. Oh, the little bu- buddy. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Isley was born, you know, end of July, and she toured up until beginning of July with oh, Isley. Hillary. I know. I oh, know. Gosh, Renaissance woman. I know. But life on the road, I mean, again, when Charles and I started dating, they weren't assigned band. So they were in his Jeep Cherokee. Like driving to Chicago to play Joe's Bar, opening up for Shadaisy. Shadaisy! <laughs> Shadaisy. Yes. And Phil Vassar. He opened <gasps> up for Phil Vassar on my birthday in Chicago, I remember. Oh my gosh, I love Phil Vassar. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him at Lululemon the other day and I was like, oh my God, I love you, Phil yes, Vassar. Phil Vassar. <laughs> Just another day in paradise. Heck yeah. Every day. Um, right. And then uh, they got signed, and I remember, um, like, one of Charles and I's first big fights was they were opening up for the Doobie Brothers in mm-hmm. Ohio, which was, like, a big thing. This is a big one. Yeah. They had a Winnebago. Okay. Which was, like, Fancy. huge. Like, yes. sleep in it. Right. Wait, is that a sleeping thing? Or yeah. That- there was, like, a bed in the, okay. you know. Okay. Um, and he asked, I was going to go. We'd been dating for probably like five months. And he asked if I would sell merch. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> it's like, we need all the help we I can know, get. Which in hindsight, that was so rude of me. But I was like, I, this is not mixed. Like yes. I. Okay. So you am, drew boundaries from the beginning. Mm-hmm, which again, maybe I shouldn't have. I should have <laughs> sold the freaking t-shirts. <laughs> He was like, well, we don't have room for you if you're not going to do something to help. you got to have a job. Which is true. Um, But anyway, that was a big fight that we had. I wouldn't sell merch. Um, Did you end up going or not going? No, I didn't go. Oh, wow. Okay. He drew boundaries, too. Everybody has their their boundaries. So then they, you know, were in their Winnebago, and they took that Winnebago also to open up for Carrie Underwood at Dewey Beach. That's a big deal. Yeah. They had some good... They signed with CAA before they signed with anyone. So they got some good shows. Mm-hmm. CAA, for everyone listening, is a booking company. Yes. They book all the shows. <clears throat> yes. Creative artist agency. <clears throat> um, and then they got signed and they went on radio tour um, that fall. And um, I mean, played every kind of show, like on a pontoon boat in Texas and at a gas station, the opening of deer season in Wisconsin. That's the thing with the radio tour. It's not glamorous. No. It is grinding and you play the craziest shows because radio stations have all sorts of events that they put on for their listeners. Right. And they need artists. Yes. And when you are new I know. to the scene, you got to get in there. The opening of deer season when maybe takes the cake for them at a gas station at a gas station. They were like standing singing acapella by the cashier while everyone's like getting their sausage biscuit after. (laughs) 
going out filmed. that morning. Is that recorded? I think they have footage of it, which is amazing. Oh my gosh. Um, and then their album came out that following April and, um, you know, things, things really went fast, went fast for them. Um, yeah. and we ended up actually breaking up that May. How long had y'all been together? I guess we'd been together, um, for like a year and a half. I feel like sometimes a break is a good thing. Though. It was huge. It was amazing. I mean, he, and he was so busy. So we were broken up for pretty much that whole summer, 2008. It kind of lets you like see, do I really want to do this with this person? Right. Or not. Because when you get to that point, especially with this lifestyle, you gotta yeah. you gotta really know. Yeah. And I think for him too, he was like, I just I have so much to focus on and so much on my plate. Like, can I mentally also have a relationship? Yeah, totally. Because we all know men can't multitask. That is very true. Um, but it was great. And I uh dated other people and how was it? Was it weird or were you it like was, I mean it was my heart honestly was always with Charles. Yeah. Um, but I met a lot of nice people. Yeah. Hey, it's a good try. It was flavors. fun, right? Yeah. And um, then he was basically gone that whole summer anyway. So even had we been together, like I wouldn't have seen him. Yeah. And he was on the road so much. And then he um, called me one day, like early August and said, you know, I'm coming back from the road and I just want to talk about you know, maybe next steps for us. And I was thinking like just getting back together and he was talking about getting engaged. He was like ready. So yeah. his, his summer of uh, soloness made him realize right. I'm ready to do this thing. Yeah, he got to see That's what else was awesome. out there and realized he didn't want any of that. You know what? That's really awesome. Mm -hmm. It was good. It was it was good for us because then he came back to our relationship knowing... Ready. Mm -hmm. Some people are so afraid of a break. And like for me and Michael, mm -hmm. we had a two-year break. We would not be happily married if we had yeah. not broken up. Yeah. Just because, I don't know, we had things we just sort out and yeah. we just couldn't do it as a couple at mm -hmm. that point. Yeah. So we so ended then you up, all got engaged right away? We got engaged. So that was in August and we got engaged um, that Christmas. Dang. Yeah. And then got married the following July. Oh my gosh. Did y'all get married at 38? No, we got married in the Bahamas. In the Bahamas. The same as you guys. But we got married on Harbor Island. Okay. So y'all are beach people. Yes. We're beach people. And for you, sure. Okay. You love 30A. Y'all, that's yes. your second little getaway. Mm -hmm. We love it so much. That was our first like trip together was 30A. And Charles had grown up going to beaches on the East Coast and he'd never seen white sand like that. So yeah, we love it. Something about the beach. I feel just... Mm -hmm. ugh. So peaceful. Y'all just got back from the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. So is it a regular thing that y'all do? Go to the Bahamas? I mean, I love it so much. Um, this was, and at Ward, this was his third trip to the Bahamas, which is hilarious. And I love that he's saying Bahamas, everything. <laughs> <I know. laughs> he's, he's got, he's got such a charmed life. It's, it's amazing. Well, he's so charming. Yeah. He's a sweet and guy. he's so cute. He's really <gasps> just, his heart is in the right place. I hope it stays like that forever. It will. Um, yeah, we just got back from the Hamas. It's about to get busy for um, Charles, and so we just had one more family getaway. Will y'all be going on the road again this year? We are. We he starts his he has a Vegas residency. Oh heck yeah! Yeah. So there, um, there's five shows, and people are asking me like, 
are you moving to Vegas for the year? And it's not like a Britney Spears residency. It's, um, is it five shows total? No, it's 15 shows total, but there's five shows in February, five shows in May, and then five shows in August. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. So our first jaunt is, um, out to Vegas in February. We all just kind of post up at a hotel. (sighs) We rented a house. Oh, great. Yeah. We're going to have Ward with us. Um, and, just like need a kitchen yeah. and a yeah. washer and dryer yes. and not to be in a casino, which is a good thing that we learned this or we went ahead and rented a house because in the Bahamas, we were staying at a place called Bahamar that has a casino and we went to dinner one night with him at a restaurant that was off the casino floor and he, Ward, was so furious that he couldn't play all of the games. Oh. He was like... He's ready to gamble. Yeah. I mean, he thought... They were kids' games. Like, yeah. why can't I touch any of these machines? Oh, my gosh. Good to know. So, anyway, had we decided to stay at the Palms, where their residency is, and had to, like, be in the casino every day with a crazy little toddler, I don't think that would have worked. <laughs> Vegas is so pretty. The Strip is wild, but outside of Vegas, it is so pretty. Yeah, we love to hike, and <clears throat> um, so I think there's some really good hikes around there, and excited okay so you actually never told me so how has road life changed we with the babies yes I got off on a tangent (laughs) um I mean I definitely don't watch every show anymore yeah um that's a thing like watching every show in the beginning oh yeah (laughs) yeah every show um but now um and thankfully we have an absolutely amazing nanny and um she comes with us and so if I do want to go out and watch a show I can. I don't have to That's just great. leave my kid solo on the bus. Um, <laughs> Hopefully the baby monitor stretches. Right. Just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, he goes to bed before they go on stage. Yeah. So if I do want to watch the show, and he's an early riser, the timing of a show, you know, if they don't get off stage till 11 o'clock and then you kind of unwind and you don't end up going to bed until at the earliest midnight and mm-hmm. then your child wakes up at 6 a.m., mm not the most conducive schedule Mm -mm. so um our nanny will wake up with him um some and then if I have to get up with him a lot of times I just won't watch the show yeah but now it's filled with I mean you're up early you're not sleeping till noon anymore and (laughs) we try to find fun activities for him to do in the cities that we're in and just so he's not on the bus but he likes the camaraderie of just running around with the other kids when they're out there. He's worships Isley. He does. Is she the queen? Isley is the queen. How old is Isley? She's five. She'll be six in July. Um, And she, he like gets on her nerves sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So she's like, I just need some space ward. (laughs) Did she say that? (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so cute. But he just adores her and wants to do whatever she's doing. So cute. Um, and then he plays so sweet with Cash, who's Dave's oldest son. And, and how old's Cash? He is four. Okay. So he'll be five in Char- Charles. Ward will be three in February, and then Cash will be five in September. So Ward gets to hang out with all the big kids. He does. Okay. And then Lily Haywood just turned one. Oh. And then the twins are about to turn one at the end of this month. Oh, my gosh. So he's right in the middle. How fun. So just it's, kid zone. It's kid zone. Dave is like super dad. And he, when his kids are out, he always plans for a fun backstage activity. We'll have a bounce house. Oh. We'll have yeah. an ice cream truck come. Stop. He like always 
has a Disneyland dad mentality and it's like, what can we do backstage oh, for the kids? That's awesome. I know. He always brings really good toys, Cash. Okay. We have like one toy for Ward <laughs> and Cash has like a slew of amazing toys back there. So Ward's super happy when Cash is out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Because Dave always has something fun planned. So it is. It's just, it's not hanging out and drinking after the show anymore. It's Which like, is probably nice to transition. I mean... I'm almost 36 years old. Yeah. Like, the hangovers get bad. Right. And I can't really have a hangover anymore. It knocks me out for the rest of the day. And if you have to get up with a toddler with a hangover, I mean, it's like pure torture. Yeah. Not S- worth it. On a moving bus. It has to be worth it. For me to like really go hard and like mm-hmm. say like, I'm, okay, I'm going to like embrace the party. I'm going to go hard. I still, even when I try, I get a point. I'm like, I just have to go to bed. Nothing's fun enough for me. Me too. Is that bad? No, I'm the same way. I'm like, like I don't get FOMO. Mm-mm. I used to like think I wanted to do everything. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, when I get tired, it's over for me. Like the thought of staying up past 1 a.m. really 11 p.m. But if we want to get into party zone 1 a.m., I like don't think I can physically do it. See, Michael, he could stay up forever. If there's people around that he likes to hang out with and something fun yeah. to do. Same with Charles. I mean, he could stay up till the sun comes up and he wouldn't care. If you told me I had to wake up two hours later, he'd be like, fine, it's great. That to me would wreck my week. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. yeah, I'm the same way. And I, you know, it goes from clubbing on a Friday night to dateline on a Friday night. And that is like the best time ever. So I don't know. We're just, we've grown up. Mm -hmm. So tell me how you started Womanista back in the day. Cause you were one of the very first bloggers and this was a huge deal. Cause you're blogging road life. You're blogging Mm -hmm. just all things, fashion, fabulous travel. So I, um, really just needed a creative outlet to do while on the road or that I could do from anywhere. And, um, so blogging fit that niche and that was uh, when blogging was just getting going too. Well, maybe in Nashville, okay. but people like had blogs. Um, I, uh, went to a blogger conference. So I started womanista, uh, in like all the back leg work of it in February, 2012. Um, and then, I, my first post went live on my WordPress site. So it was like, you know, wordpress.womanista.com or whatever it was Okay. in uh, March. And then womanista.com, like I did a site design, which at the time felt really <coughs> legit. That launched um, in and June I always thought that, that was such a great name. Thank you. I love that name. I still love that name. It's such a great name. Um, so, you know, it has an air of feminism, but doesn't feel preachy it feels like all encompassing totally so anyway I was very happy with that so how did what was it like having womanista what did you do to keep it running um well in the beginning I mean it was just I wasn't doing it with the intent of make growing some giant brand it was more just like a creative outlet for me and if I had I remember, you know, the first week I had like 50 people click on a post. It was like, I have made it. There are 50 people (laughs) have watched this or read this or whatever it was. Um, So that gave me a lot of pride. And, you know, again, just being able to create something with no um, worry about any sort of production of it. It What would you talk about? What were your favorite topics? Um, I did a lot of travel. I did fashion. I did beauty. I did food. Um, we were tra- obviously traveling so much. You know, I think the first week I did, um, we were in Calgary 
And I did, like, we went to dinner and I'm like taking pictures on my iPhone at dinner. <laughs> like, the quality of the production of it was terrible looking back. I mean, <laughs> hey, but you're doing it. Yeah, it was just fun for me to do. Um, and so I started doing that and then just honed in on it a little bit more. And my photo quality got better. I had a professional photographer taking pictures and, um, you know, started planning, like not just, Oh, what am I doing this week? It was like making a plan for content. When did you realize it was a business? Um, well, you know, it, it got to be a business for me, like a viable business where, you know, it adds and right. Part, what, what is it with a, like, what do you have when it's a business as a blog, like ads, sponsors? So yes, all of that. Um, but that didn't really happen for me until I partnered with a company here in Nashville to relaunch it as a media site. Okay. So is that like a, like a all encompassing website? Yes. So there's more than just a blog. There's... Right. Right. Okay. It was more than just like my perspective on something. Okay. It was truly like a, when you read pop sugar or <laughs> refinery 29, you know, those are media sites. Okay. Um, so, so that's a big deal. Yeah. And the the um, irony of it was the week that I signed the paperwork to partner with this company to, you know, relaunch as a media site was the week I got pregnant. Oh my gosh. So again, that sign wasn't lost on me either of like, wow, what a transition. What a new chapter. Mm -hmm. How amazing is that? I know. So uh, yeah, that just became incredible. I learned so much. And what'd you learn? What it takes to <laughs> run a, a media site, a media site, you know, that to make something a viable business. Um, you know, I'm sort of on the content creation side and I am a dreamer and, you know, that doesn't always keep the lights on. Yeah. I mean, you really like the amount of back end technical the way something appears in a Google search. You oh know, my gosh, all that stuff. All of that. Who even knows about that stuff? Well, not me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> a whole other team that is much smarter than me. But, you know, and just for instance, say you're doing a content calendar for November. Google actually um, categorizes what the top searches are for for each day. So like pumpkin pie might be the top, search at 9am on November 9th. And so we would try to do our content calendar based on those key searches. I mean, that wasn't always the case, yeah. but you can just dive into the tech side. Oh and even gosh. if you're the, the content isn't great. I mean, I thought our content was, was good, but even if it's not great content, just the traffic that you'll get based on those tech decisions alone Oh my gosh. So people can just track all that. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I know my iPhone listens to me. Because oh, right. I, it can, if I like talk about something, it pops up. So, I mean, it doesn't shock me that you can track literally anything that's trending. Right. So anyway, I learned a lot. And then, you know, the gift of it was then I had my son the following February and I mean, as all new moms can attest, like trying to do anything when you have a newborn is impossible. So it was divine timing that it had, you had partnered, that it, it had gotten this new... It wasn't just up to me. Yeah. That it was running on its own. You can now yes. do what you love, which is 
adding blogs content, mm-hmm. but you don't have to keep the whole thing right. going. But I really had such a um, guilt that went along with like letting go of some of those pieces because really? I felt like it was in the first year of its um, you know, birth essentially in this new form. And that after, you know, I had Ward, I just, I didn't have any, I couldn't give it what I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot of guilt about that. It just felt like, you know, cause it was a startup. Yeah. Um, and we had, it was completely incapable hands. Like they didn't need me for anything, but, but my it was own, your baby, mm-hmm. your little dream that has now grown right. into this big flower. Right. So my own personal, I went through like a really, a period of a lot of, which was probably also postpartum depression. <laughs> hey, at least you had somewhere to put it. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so I, you know, we did that and we grew it. And then, um, my partner also had a company called comicbook.com okay. and we ended up repackaging womanista and comic book as popculture.com. Oh, wow. So and is it called popculture.com it's now? It's called popculture.com and we sold it to CBS last April. Well, Okay. So hello, media mogul. Well, I mean that. What a big deal! Yeah, it's it was. You sold it to CBS. Oh my god, that's like legit. I know it was Can major believe, legit. But that's what like I love so much is like this tiny little thing mm-hmm. that you started just because out of passion, out of passion, mm-hmm. grew, got attention to grow it into a media website, got more attention to grow it even bigger and then sell it to CVS. How does that make you feel? I know you have all the feelings that go along with right. creating something from scratch, but like, how do you feel at the end of the day that your little dream went all the way to Honestly, the end? Honestly, Caroline, I don't know if I've even like processed that because it coincided with the beginning of my son's life. And so I just like, and we were on the road, like it was such a couple years of, complete exhaustion and insanity that, um, of in so many blessings, but it just was like insane. Well, I hope you know how incredible that Thank is you. to have something start from your passion to develop into something mm-hmm. that CBS wants to buy. I that know. is really something felt, to be proud of. It's, I'm very proud of it. There's tears in my eyes. Oh, thank you. I but mean, the really. second I start to think like, well, what have I contributed to this family? And then I'm like, oh, wait a second. A lot. <laughs> Do you think as women, it's hard to realize what you contribute? Because like, you're just always doing things. Mm-hmm. It's part of your nature. And we talked, you're an Enneagram number two. Yes. You're a helper. Yes. So you're already always doing things. Right. So you probably don't even realize all the things you do because it's just so natural. I think it gets, um, especially in this job or, <clears throat> you know any job that's in the entertainment business is you get so hyper-focused on, you know, whoever's the performer, their career. And, you know, the things that you're doing is to, you know, that makes your family go, Mm -hmm. you know, if my husband can't do his job, then, you know, we can't pay our bills. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the things that you end up doing as a wife, at least in my case is, you know, you're, you're helping this whole machine run. Yes. Um, and as much as you contribute to that, there's not really like a tangible paycheck, obviously, um, that comes with that. And so for me to think about, you know, the sale of pop culture, it's like, wow, we were able to accomplish that while life was insane. And, you know, it feels, I mean, 
women can do anything that they want to do. They can. Even while they, you know, have an infant. And also being the one who is the sole caretaker mainly of the child, keeping well, the family. Well, we have a lot of help. I don't yeah, wanna... Truly. But keeping the family together, being that rock for Charles, I, I mean, it that makes a huge difference. Having stability, having someone keeping the family mm-hmm. together. It just really shines a light, too, of, you know, how, I mean, we have full-time help. But you make sacrifices to live on the road. I mean, well, to sacrifice your dreams, you mm-hmm. know? Not that you ha- you found ways to get your dreams out there. Right. But, you know, you never moved back to New York. Like, to, to be that support for Charles mm-hmm. takes a lot to be willing to sacrifice like that. I think that this life is not for everyone. It is definitely not for I everyone. I mean, it is, it might look glamorous and I'm sure every wife who you've interviewed has said that like it is 99.9% not glamorous at all like here I am um you always look glamorous no you always look glamorous but it um it's not for everyone I mean I feel like there's probably a lot of twos who are (laughs) you know country music wives because it takes a um mentality that isn't selfish yeah you have to see the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To have a, a to be in a happy family. Yes. Um, you know, if you're expecting to sign up to be in like a rap video, like it is <laughs> not like that whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, we get to do a lot of amazing things. And we were talking just the other day about all the travel that we've done and how it's like 10 lifetimes for a lot of people. And I love to travel. So that has been such a gift getting to do that. So we get to do so much and we get to live in a beautiful home and um, not have to worry about putting food on the table or paying for our health care. Crazy experiences. Yeah. I mean, there are so many gifts that come along with it that don't take for granted, but the emotional toll that it can take Mm -hmm. um, as well as physical, just the amount of gone. Yeah. Um, is high. And so I think you have to have a, um, a real resilience and a real sense of self, um, to, you know, that's what you sacrifice Mm -hmm. is the emotional toll that it can take on you. Totally. Talk to me about all your girlfriends. Cause (laughs) we were talking before the girl group in Nashville is so strong. And I know you have some incredible girlfriends that are your rocks. Mm -hmm. How is country music different with like the wives and just the support? Because I, know that you are such a supportive person and you've surrounded yourself with women who are so supportive. I just feel lucky, um, to get to be in the same business as women who are such good people. Um, I truly feel that's the case. You know, we all, um, don't take anything for granted, I think for the most part. And we know we aren't trying to put on a show about what life really looks like to each other, Mm -hmm. especially, um, we can all just be really honest with each other. I mean, how is that? So I don't know. I think we all just are innately that way. I think because, you know, we see other people being that way and being vulnerable and, um, you know, not feeling like we have to show outwardly anything that isn't authentic to us. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We just all are that way. Cause that's rare. I feel it like. is rare, especially in entertainment. It is rare. Um, you know, I definitely have a 
whole closet of nice shoes that I used to wear (laughs) (laughs) when I was younger. But now like what you see is what you get. And I think, um, you know, we're going through a phase of new motherhood, um, together and, you know, a lot of, I know what it's like to be married to someone whose success is taking off on a rocket ship and what that feels like. And I think a lot of my friends, um, have recently gone through that too. And it's just when it comes down to it, you know, faith, family, and friendship is what keeps us all afloat in any business. So I think I just, we share those commonalities and I feel incredibly lucky for that. That's amazing. And I think being in Nashville too, like obviously Nashville is growing so much, but it's just, it's not a fake place. No, it's not. There's pockets of, you know, BS, but Nashville to me just feels so thriving in Mm -hmm. every way. Like it just feels like a place to thrive. Right. And to just be the best version of yourself, Mm -hmm. which another statistic off topic, but you'll appreciate (laughs) this. Um, Nashville has the most, uh, the most number of women, uh, created companies, businesses really in all the U S well, you know what? I could totally see that. So I feel like, you know, again, as a woman here, like it is a place to thrive. Yeah. So maybe that plays into, you know, friendship and not feeling stifled and feeling like you have a creative outlet. Yes. And I feel like the men support it too, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. My husband every day is like, what do you, what do you love? What do you want to wake up and do? Yeah. Or who do you want to wake up and be? You know, Mm -hmm. one of our favorite things to say is like be a human being and not a human doing. I love that. So, you know, I don't have to like have any kind of job or anything that I produce other than, you know, taking care of you are right. That is something I've had to really learn because in my twenties I was very much, um, I'm a four on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. So like finding my self-worth has been a journey for me. I have had to feel, I felt like I needed to prove myself Mm -hmm. with accomplishments and validations to to feel like I was a worthy person to exist. And that if I hadn't gotten a few big things checked off of a list, then I wasn't Mm -hmm. worthy. And I think in my 30s, especially, I have learned that you are worthy because you're here. And coming to terms with that and just realizing that me being a human being put on this earth, being myself, loving, is enough. And then anything Amen. else is, is great that I want to pursue out of like love and passion, but right. I don't need that. I don't need to prove to people that I'm a worthy mm-hmm. person because I've done something. And that was what my twenties were all about was yep. just proving that I'm good enough for me to, um, you know, becoming a mother didn't automatically give me that. Oh, my purpose is a mother now. Not, I mean, a lot of women have that and that's incredible, but I didn't feel that. I felt almost the opposite of, I'm, you know, I don't want to say I'm just a mom, but I had to really walk through that same mentality of like, okay, I'm not doing anything, even though you're doing everything. everything. Um, you know, I really struggled with that too, of feeling like my purpose was, you know, me achieving. Yeah. Um, and when you're a mom, you know, especially the very early newborn phase, sometimes all you can achieve is like changing from one pair of pajamas to another pair of pajamas. (laughs) Like you just, it's, you're keeping a human alive and not sleeping and it's, it's a really hard season. So how did you overcome those lies? (sighs) I mean, I feel like I still 
you know, battle that. Um, but again, my girlfriends, like just the validation that you get of like, Hey, you're great. Just exactly what you just said, Mm -hmm. just because I'm here on this earth and am a breathing, you know, thinking, loving person Mm -hmm. that makes me enough. Yeah. That has been my biggest lesson my whole life Mm -hmm. is just being okay with myself and just and like, and I've gone through all sorts of seasons when I felt like I was on a hamster wheel chasing and everything right. seemed to be happening and then losing all of these goals and dreams mm-hmm. like come crashing down. And all these things have taught me that, okay, you've got to get okay with just being here. Yeah. Just exactly as you are. Mm-hmm. Who cares what's going on around you? Mm-hmm. But that has been a big, big lesson for me. And I'm sure it will continue to always be the lesson. Ever evolving. Mm-hmm. My mom, I mean, so much of my you know, parents got divorced and my mom was always, you know, working and supporting herself. And so the model that I got, um, from a mother, which I think is very positive is, you know, never let a man never rely on a man, Mm -hmm. like never, you know, always have your own thing. And that's just not the case in our marriage, Mm -hmm. um, at least financially. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for whatever reason, overcoming that too has, is just a, you know, in the same way of like, I feel like I need to be doing something that is, you know, doing X, Y, Z in order to have self-worth, but you're right. I know. Like sometimes like if I don't have something to do, Mm -hmm. I'm like, Caroline, you can just not have anything to do. Right. Like in that people would die to not have anything to do. (laughs) So embrace it because what a blessing, you know? Right. It's just getting out of the head. But I mean, I think everyone goes through that, especially as women, Mm -hmm. especially as women supporting men too, who have big careers. And you know, like you said, like with me and Michael, his schedule is always going to come first. It just is. Right. So I I think that's why I tried to navigate my life into fitting around it, Mm -hmm. figuring out an outlet for myself, like hosting that is flexible and on my own terms, but I can still do it. Well, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, that what you're doing right now with everything that you have going on, that's all amazing and creative. You know, you created that platform, but I built it around Michael, right? (laughs) You know, and that's how blogging started for me. It was like, all right, what can I do that like I can do wherever. I am with Charles. Exactly. What can I still do to fulfill my passion, yep. but I can still be there? Right. Because I know. And it's just, I think that women are, I do think that falls on women a lot. And I'm happy to take it because mm-hmm. I want to have a family that's connected. Right. That's always been a priority for me. And so I'm like, okay, I, if I'll just figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. I could talk to you forever, but obviously I've got to wrap up. You have a sweet boy who's sleeping. Yes, he's he's taking a nap. I like to end my episodes with leave your light. And this whole podcast with you is light and inspiring. But just what is some advice that you would want to share with someone maybe who is struggling or just something that you've learned, just some wisdom that you would like to impart to anyone listening that you have gathered through all of your experiences? And maybe a lesson you've learned that you wish you would have known or just a piece of advice that you would want to live by that you've learned through everything. Oh man, I don't know. I don't know if I have any advice. Um, I, I don't, I think, uh, I don't know. Just being kind to yourself, I think is so important. And the most, um, you know, if, if you can, you know, that like be do unto others as you would want done unto you, I think flipping that on its head and saying do unto yourself how you would treat others 
Oh, um, I love that. Is really important because we definitely, I, I don't always do that. So um, easy to not to put yourself down or to think of yourself last. Right. Um, and, you know, I walked through a lot of body issues um, in the years since I've had Ward and I still like basically I'm the same weight I was when I was nine months pregnant, (laughs) but you know, learning to have self-acceptance of, you know what? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? That is a hard one. I've, I've had eating disorders and struggled with weight my whole life also. I think that's a woman thing because we put such a value on beauty or whatever and perfection. And when you get to a point where perfection and beauty isn't your goal, mm-hmm. you know, like, of course we love it, but it's not the goal. Right. Like being a great mom, having ward, right. Being a wife, be, having your family. So how have you flipped that script? Honestly, I just prayed about it so much last August. I like really hit a low point and just so much just self I mean, really just body hatred. And I just prayed about it. And I heard very clearly, like, you don't have to fix everything. Just sweat every day. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that was the message after I prayed. Like, you don't have to fix everything. Just sweat every day. And so I've just made it a point to have health in my life in that way, even if I'm not moving the needle on the scale. Um, And I've... I, you know, again, I just, it's changed everything. Like my body hasn't changed very much, but my the mind you has, your body. right. And think Be- of all that our body does for us. I know. You know, keep, right. I, I think about that because like the things I used to do to myself with like bulimia and diet pills and laxatives and all sorts of awful things to be awake that nobody cares about. Right. You know, like, and that's the thing with you. You are so stunning. No one, but you even thinks about it. You you. know what I'm saying? But that can take away so much joy. I mean, had I been in the Bahamas in this beautiful, stunning place with my child and my husband and like been insecure in a bathing suit, you would have missed it. I would have missed it. You would have missed the whole moment. Or not, you know, eaten a slice of pizza yeah. or a taco or enjoyed, you know, a margarita. Yeah. And you would have missed the experience right. obsessing about this number and this mm-hmm. body image that no one else is obsessing about, but because we have this standard of per- perfection. Missed playing with my son in the pool. Yeah. You know, like I can wear a large swimsuit and who cares? Who it's a cute large swimsuit. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? Yeah. That's why I'm obsessed with women like Ashley Graham. I follow her mm. religiously because to me, she's one of the most beautiful people Stunning. I have ever seen. And she flaunts her curves mm. all the time. And it's all about the way you view yourself right. and speak to yourself. Right. I've had to work on my self-talk a lot this year mm. because I realize I am so hateful to myself. Like my self-talk, I... Our, we're friends with, I don't know if you know, Michael and Bree Chandler. They're yeah. they, okay. He talks about self-talk all the time mm-hmm. and just like having positive self-talk. So mm-hmm. I started noticing mine and I was like, I am so awful to myself. I would never speak to anyone the way I speak to right. myself. To do unto yourself as you would do unto others. And so I've really tried to catch mm-hmm. myself on that and be like, cause like when we were 
trying to get pregnant and went through miscarriages mm-hmm. and all that last year it was a really like sad year for mm-hmm. me. And I was so hateful to myself, just feeling like I wasn't worthy, that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't chosen, you know, like mm-hmm. even a baby doesn't want you and just like, oh, I know it makes me sad that I could oh be so gosh. hard to myself. But then I started checking myself. I'm like, why am I being so brutally awful to myself? Mm-hmm. You know? So I've tried to, like you were saying, retrain myself like if I go off on one of those tangents Mm -hmm. turn it yeah you know because it's just lies and it's just trying to be perfect Mm -hmm. which is not my goal right well all of that said I felt like hearing that message of you don't have to fix everything just sweat every day yeah you know in the same way that maybe you just have like one mantra that makes you feel good and just treating myself with that kindness of a sweat or a run or just today I just stretched. I was like, I'm really tired. I need to just do a couple of yoga moves and like just stretch and treating myself and my body with that kindness has just, it's changed my mentality about it. That is so inspiring. And thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. You're the best. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Caroline. I appreciate it. I appreciate you and your heart. You too. Bye. Thank you all so much for joining me. I know you're so inspired by Cassie's story and just what a bright light she is. She just blesses anyone that she touches and anyone that gets to be around her presence. So I know her story inspired you all just like it did me. Next week, I have the beautiful, amazing Kaylee Dickerson. She is married to Russell Dickerson. And we talk all about the past year, how it has been a rocket for them. Russell has been on a giant wave to stardom had two number one songs she talks about how it was before they had all the hits and how life has changed and just how grateful they are their journey with god it's really truly inspiring so tune in next week for kaylee dickerson